Capital of the world. It's the TC Martin Show. A freshman has won it for the Wolverines. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor. TC Martin. Gives it to Jenkins for the championship. Doctor is now in. And yes, the madness is here. Oh, it has arrived and arrived in grand style. We are broadcasting live, of course, from the world famous Superbook here at the Westgate Las Vegas. TC Martin and a plethora of guests here today, like we uh, normally do, well, just about every day, but we definitely do it during uh, March Madness. We'll be here at the Westgate today and tomorrow, of course, usually our Friday home, and of course, we are here when everything or something big is happening, and that is definitely the case. Uh, packed house here today at the world-famous Superbook, and uh, John Murray joins us, the executive director of the Superbook, so he joins us here today, as uh, well as Scott Spritzer will be checking in. We will go live to Sacramento with our good friend Tracy Murray, the UCLA Bruins Hall of Famer, and also does a fantastic job as the game analyst on the UCLA Bruins radio network. So we'll check in with Tracy a little bit later on this hour as uh, the Bruins are getting ready to play their first uh, round game of the tournament against UNC Asheville tonight uh, in my hometown of Sacramento. So we've got that going on today. Lindy LaRock will join us. Uh, she is coming to us today from Baton Rouge, Louisiana, as the Lady Rebels are getting ready for their opening round game tomorrow. The Lady Rebels an 11th seed, 31-2, winners of 22 in a row. So we will co- uh, talk to Coach LaRock as uh, we get ready to preview uh, their game against the University of Michigan tomorrow. So, of course, a lot on tap, and no better place to be than the Westgate of Las Vegas right here inside the Superbook. And uh, our good friend John Murray joins us. John, what is happening, my friend? Craziness here. Just craziness. <laughs> Morning was crazy. Both the first two games came down to the really the last possession. Uh, West Virginia couldn't get the shot in. Virginia, you know, they had a timeout. That guy just chucked the ball down the field like he was playing football or something. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen that before. Uh, that was crazy. For those, big, big explosion when Furman hit that shot. Yeah, just uh, amazing uh, start to the tournament. The very first game, the very first final, we have an upset, and it's a 13 versus 4 upset. Like you mentioned, John, uh, Furman, the Paladins, who were kind of a live dog, came yeah. in as only a six-point uh, underdog uh, to Virginia. And I know me, for one, I'm sitting there watching that shot be released with two seconds to go after the turnover, like you said. Virginia had a four-point lead, uh, missed miss free throws, missed two big free throws uh, down the stretch. And again, all they had to do was just take care of the basketball, yeah. uh, inbound of the ball, pressure from Furman with uh, you know less than six seconds to go, gets caught in the corner. And uh, with about four seconds, four or five seconds left, he decides, uh, the guard just decides to chuck it down the court, but it gets picked off at half court. One pass, open shooter, hits one from 22 feet, a three-pointer. Next thing you know, you go from up two to down one. Then Virginia takes the timeout. <laughs> Can't uh, get a decent shot off, and uh, they lose again in the first round. Well, they, they've got a style of play that makes them somewhat susceptible to an upset. You know, they play these very, very low-scoring games and a couple mistakes at the end of the game, and it can swing the whole thing. So, plus, Virginia wasn't playing well down the stretch. Yeah. They were not playing good basketball the last few weeks, so that all made Furman a very popular underdog play. That was still good for us, though, because you had the Virginia Moneyline parlays. So uh, that was, I think that might be the only game we've won on today. Uh, we, we really needed Howard. Howard was, uh, Howard not covering was real tough for us. So one game, uh, the opening game of the tournament, and we have, uh, like I said, the shocker there. And it really shouldn't surprise, like we said, with Virginia, you know, being the lone team to, to lose to a 16 seed, you know, a few years back <laughs> in, in the opening round. Uh, just it, it, it's craziness and you know we look at a lot of these opening lines and we see a Virginia over a Furman by six five ten years ago that line is 12 13 14 15 
but it just seems like these lines have really shrunk now because of either a the parity of the um, in, in college basketball today transfer portal the you know having the extra COVID year call it what you want but we've seen this trend over the last few years it just seems like uh, there are just more and more of these upsets and more of these favorites uh, are not only not covering but they're getting upset outright. Well, the, the gap is closing between the haves and the have-nots in college basketball. I mean, the, there's just not that big of a difference between these 5 and 12 seeds anymore. Mm. For one thing, all the best players are already in the NBA for the most part, so you don't have that anymore. Back in the day, these higher-seeded teams would be they'd have two, three NBA players on them. Well, that's not the case anymore. The transfer portal is another big thing where these players are still kind of learning to play with each other. They don't have tons of years together except for the smaller schools. The smaller schools will have guys have been playing together for two or three years, like Colgate against Texas. This is the third NCAA tournament for that group. Those guys have been playing together for a while. You just don't get that as much in the bigger schools. They get the one-and-dones. They get the transfer portal. They don't have as much experience playing with each other. John Murray joins us, the executive director here at the uh, Superbook. Let's talk a little bit about what today is all about here, John, especially for you guys on the other side of the counter. We know it's great. Uh, for the patrons who come in here, it's jam-packed. Again, the most famous sports book, not only in Las Vegas, but, but in the world. But talk about what it's like for you, Jay Cornegain, in, in the staff here uh, as far as, you know, today, especially when that uh, first tip-off goes a little bit after 9 a.m. and then goes throughout the day. Well, this is the best weekend of the year. Uh, today and tomorrow are the two best days of the year for us. Controlled chaos, you know, it's not... Yeah, I don't want to date myself too much, but it's not as not as chaotic as it was when I was a teller here. Okay. The reason being the mobile accounts. You know, when I was writing tickets to the sports book, when it was called the Hilton Superbook, yeah. everyone that made a bet had to wait in that long line. Nowadays, most people have a mobile account, so the lines aren't quite as bad. But uh, the, the best thing for the book for about March Madness versus the Super Bowl is the parlays. Super Bowl is all straight bets. They bet the game, they bet the total, the money line, the props. March Madness, we get a ton of parlay action. A lot of teams for the, the, the patrons to parlay together. It's very good for the book, and I think it's the most fun weekend of the year for sure. Talk a little bit about what the handle will be like today. It won't It won't be anywhere near what Super Bowl is. It's not even close because Super Bowl, you take bigger bets, the bigger dollar amounts. March Madness is more of like smaller dollar size higher volume of bets mm. more tickets more parlays but the, the dollar figures will pale compared to the Super Bowl but in compa- in comparison uh, if to the you Super look at the Bowl, if you look the, at the whole weekend right then then you're you're more in the ballpark okay for the for the entire four days we should do more than the Super Bowl okay so put it in contrast to this how is like say today compared to a regular NFL Sunday week seven Oh, uh, that's a good comparison. I think it's a, probably a little bit higher, yeah. uh, but it it depends a lot on who you have in the building. Yeah. You know, if you've got two, three, four, five of your biggest VIP players, uh, that could swing things quite a bit. But mm. I think that's a comp, a good comp, a, mm. uh, an NFL Sunday to this day. It's probably I think this day would be a little more. All right, let's talk a little bit about uh, setting the lines. I want to go back to to Sunday, last Sunday after the selection show is over, and. You know, we talk a lot about the Super Bowl, and after the AFC or NFC Championship game concludes, there's that that rush, the anticipation. What is that number going to be in the Super Bowl? You make that, and, you know, that's kind of an event in itself. A lot of uh, times for sharp players, they want to get to the window and um, and make that early action, even though they got two weeks to, you know, to hype it. So the majority of the, of the players or fans are going to wait and see how everything plays out. With this, once you set the lines on that Sunday night, Basically, you have you know three days of that. Well, even less because now we have the playing games or whatever. So, talk a little bit about what goes into setting those lines. Kind of take us behind the scenes uh, of what's that like during the selection show. How quickly after the selection show is over, do you guys you know powwow about all these things and how quickly are these lines up? Well, you know the guys have sets of power ratings they're looking at, so they've got they've got a basic idea of what every line is going to be. You're looking at what the market has out there. You're looking at what the other books are putting up as well. And then you just set them up, turn them on, and let the betters take them from there. You know, the, the opening numbers usually have lower limits than the closing lines do. I would just, I would say this, don't worry too much about what the opening line is. Get the numbers up there and start moving them based on the way the sharp players are betting them. That's the best thing you can do because 
our concern is always about getting to the right number first, more so than having the, the than worrying too much about what our opening line is. Mm -hmm. All right, futures always very popular bets here as we get to the tournament. Uh, we have no clear-cut favorite in this, and when you when you look at this, I mean, Houston, Alabama, uh, the favorites, but you can still get them anywhere in the neighborhood. What five to six to one? Yeah. I think those are the two teams. Those two in Kansas are the two uh, are the three teams. I think most people are picking. Uh, we do well on all those teams. We we're just trying to fade Texas and Gonzaga. Mm. Texas and Gonzaga have been very popular at the window. We don't do well on either of those two. We're about break even on Houston, and then we do well on really all of the other top seeds in this tournament, including Alabama, including Kansas, including Purdue. So we're just trying to get those two out of there, basically, at this point. Do you have, say, more of an overall handle or less when you have two, three, four, five teams that are kind of spread out in comparison to say, hey, you know, there's a clear-cut favor. Here's somebody coming in here at 30-2. At, at I think it's less. I think it's better for business if there's a clear favorite. I know people like would expect me to say the opposite, but when there is a Goliath, everybody's betting on that team. You know, last year, after we got the brackets, we took significant futures wagers on Gonzaga and Arizona. They were the two teams that were supposed to be the best heading into this tournament. Neither one of them even made it to the Elite Eight. I think they both were gone before we got down to the Final Eight. And we did great when Kansas won the national championship because they were like that other top-seeded team that wasn't getting a ton of money. Yeah. North Carolina wouldn't have been so good for us because they were a long shot. Right. But Kansas was great because you're writing all this money on the other favorites. They blew in. I thought they had a very easy draw. Yeah. They took advantage of it. They won the national championship, and it was great for us. So really, you're looking for that powerhouse team that you know you can set some low odds. You want everyone to come and hammer it, and then you're rooting against that team every round. Absolutely, and, then, <laughs> and, you're, and you also don't want to see too big of a long shot yeah. because the liabilities can add up really quickly on those teams that were way down the board. Mm. North Carolina... Really, two consecutive very disappointing regular seasons, but they, uh, they I think they saved Hubert Davis's job. They shouldn't. They should get rid of Hubert Davis, but they won't because they went to the final last year, and we would have lost a lot on North Carolina. But because it was one of the favorites, but not the trendy one, the biggest one, we did very well in Kansas. What don't you like about Hubert Davis? I just don't think he's done a good job in North Carolina. Yeah. I mean, I, I think uh, the team last year, I think they were an eight or a nine seed. Yeah. And then they had a lot of guys back, not everybody, a lot of guys back, preseason number one, yeah, and they don't even make the tournament. I don't have a problem with Hubert Davis. Yeah. I just don't think You'd he be a heck of an athletic director. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Win a national championship, yeah. you don't make the tournament next year, you're gone. I know. Well, <laughs> I, well he, he lost the national championship, but he did make it to the final. True. My, yeah, uh, exactly. But no, exactly. I just, exactly. it, I don't have any, I don't have a problem with Hubert Davis. I'm just saying, if you have that level of talent yeah. and you're North Carolina. Mm -hmm. Making, not making the NCAA tournament is not acceptable at North Carolina, at Duke, at Kentucky, at Kansas. That can't happen. All right, let's talk about uh, two of those teams that you just mentioned. All right, we talk about Duke and Kentucky, both down this year, uh, both kind, uh, you know seeds that we're not really expecting. I mean, Duke is is a five seed. Uh, you know, we have Kentucky as a number six seed, uh, a little bit shocking, but both yeah. these teams starting to play some better basketball over the last you know, couple weeks of the season. Let's start with Duke here. How popular of a play has Duke been as a five seed? Because obviously you can get them basically at double digits on a future and just talk about them moving through the bracket. Well, they've been real popular. Uh, the, only, the only thing i got to say negative about Duke is I thought they got a tough draw, getting Oral Roberts right out the gate. I and mean, that's a pretty tough first-round game for the Blue Devils. They're playing very well. Down the stretch, they were clearly the best team in the ACC. They had the highest power rating in the ACC. They went through the ACC tournament. They, they look like they are peaking at the right time, and they've been a very trendy pick at the window to win that East Regional, maybe even to win it all. I don't see that happening personally, but because they're playing so well, they're a team that's getting a lot of money at the window. And you talk about Oral Roberts. We remember what Oral Roberts did sure. two years ago. I mean, Sweet 16 team, that opening round game against Ohio State. Sure. Uh, this question was brought to me earlier in the week, and I'm, I'm saying that, you know, Duke is not Ohio State. I mean, Ohio State is kind of like that Virginia team or some of those SEC teams that, you know, have a tendency to get knocked off earlier on. Uh, Duke is a team we really didn't expect to be here, uh, but they have played some exceptional basketball. You yeah. figured... That, or at least I, I figure that Duke is going to show up 
But Oral Roberts, as you're right, they can shoot the three. Yeah. Do you think this is this is the Oral Roberts team that we saw two years ago or the Oral Roberts team that flamed out last year? I don't know about two years ago, yeah. but I, I do think they're a very dangerous team. Because they're probably more experienced this year than they were two years ago. I can't imagine that John Shire and the Blue Devils were happy to see that as their first-round draw. Yeah. I think it's a very dangerous game for Duke. If Duke can get through that game, I certainly would expect them to be in the Sweet 16 against Purdue. And then here, talk about lines. I mean, that's a pretty short line for Duke. If you oh, like definitely them. is. Yeah. Uh, line it's just, is six against Oral Roberts. It speaks to how well-regarded Oral Roberts is. They're, they're a team that plays to a, a good power rating, very good considering the conference they're coming out of. And you got to think about this. This is When was the last time Duke played their first-round game not in North Carolina? Right. I feel like every year they're in Greensboro, they're in Charlotte, they're always... They barely have to leave campus right. usually in the first couple of rounds. So Duke venturing all the way down to Orlando this year. <laughs> Hopefully they'll be okay. I, th- I got a feeling they'll have a couple fans down there. John Murray joins us, the executive director here at the Superbook at the Westgate, Las Vegas. Who are some of those uh, future book uh, liabilities? Well, it's really Texas and Gonzaga if you're talking about the teams that I think can realistically win. Right. Indiana is one. I don't see Indiana. Uh, real. I don't really think they're a realistic team that could win the national championship. I think Texas and Gonzaga are. Yeah. Gonzaga, they I think they got a good draw with UCLA as their two seed. UCLA's a little bit banged up. Texas didn't get a great draw. They got a really tough potential second round game. I don't know what, what they did. They blew through the Big 12 tournament and they get AM or Penn State in the second round. Right. That's a tough that is. is a tough draw considering Texas's resume. Yeah. I don't think and if they do get all the way to the Elite Eight, they gotta play Houston. Not a great draw for the Longhorns, but I, I do think Gonzaga got a good bottom half of their bracket, yeah. and they have a t- they have a chance to make a run. Maybe they'll be playing Kansas out here in a couple weeks. You know, it's funny you bring up the the Texas and Texas A and M game because I looked at that and I said, "Wow, that's a two seven matchup." And Texas A and M is a seven seed, and I think they're a very live seven seed. Yes. I, I went through my closet today, like I normally do, uh, you know, on these uh, these shows and especially this tournament. I got I was ready to put on my Texas Longhorn shirt today, and I said, "No, nah, I'll save that." And I go, "Wait a minute, they're going to play A and M. If I don't wear my Longhorn shirt today, it might be the only time that, that I'll be able to wear it." You know, hey. so but. Then and again, I didn't want to get ridiculed. Like later on, I'm rolling around the book, and maybe they get upset by Colgate or something. So I said, you know, yeah. what? I'm, I'm going to save the Longhorn sweatshirt to maybe later in the tournament or save it for football season. That's a tough scene if you're the guy like when like during college <laughs> football season, there's a 9 a.m. game and some big favorite loses, yeah. and like you're not staying here, so you can't change, you know, and you're wearing their T-shirt right? for the 9 a.m. game, and, yeah. and now it's 12:30 and yeah. you're wearing their shirt. Everyone is commenting on it. And you got to wear it for the whole day. I just saw, right before you walked up today, there's a guy wearing the Virginia shirt. And I wanted to say something. And you know who followed him? Guy wearing a Utah State shirt. I wanted to say something. Utah State. They're done. I went to a Utah State-UNLV game a couple weekends ago where Utah State, I mean, you would think they were punting the ball into the basket. (laughs) You would think they were shooting into the ocean in the second half of that game. I don't know what happened to them today. Good win for Missouri. Yeah. Uh, We thought that was going to be a better game. I I thought that projected to be one of the best uh, day one matchups. Didn't play out that way. Utah State just could not shoot the basketball. You know, it's funny. When I was handicapping that game, I I started – uh, earlier in the week going back and forth and then I started looking at Missouri and I'm going okay who has Missouri played that could maybe simulate the style of Utah State and I went back to the Iowa State game and they handled Iowa State rather handily and I go you know that, that's going to be a, a problem for Utah State and then I go back and I'm going okay who'd Utah State struggle with that gives you pressure defense and you know can hit some threes or whatever and we saw them struggle against um, against San Diego State earlier this year and I said you know I, I, I like Missouri in, in, in this yeah. situation so and, it's a good pick. We, and we saw what happened, you know, the last eight, ten minutes of that game. It yeah. was all Missouri. True. And, uh, you know, Kobe Jones went nuts. And, and, and the next thing you know, uh, Utah State's hitting three. Uh, rather, I'm sorry, Missouri's hitting three after three after three. So congratulations to the Tigers. They're a dangerous team. They are a dangerous team. And that was a good win. I mean, I make, I make jokes, but Utah State is a team. They had been playing well down the stretch. I guess we're at a point now, honestly, TC, where – I question everything I see out of the Mountain West. Yes. Like maybe the maybe the competition was just not that good. I don't know. We'll see as the, the tournament will, will tell us the story. But well, John, you got to question. You have to question when a conference loses. What is it now? Ten consecutive. They have not won a yeah. game, a tournament game since 2018. Yeah, and it looks like San Diego State's got a six-point lead. We're about to go into the four-minute timeout here. But either way, 
they are uh, this conference is on an almost unprecedented bad stretch in the NCAA tournament. I don't think you can ignore that. You can't ignore that, no. and I've been very vocal about that, saying, going back to last year and the year before, why, th four teams in the tournament last year, four teams again this year. Now, granted, Nevada was in the play-in game, but still, they made the tournament. But why, and, would, and why would Nevada... I know it's easy to say this now that they've lost and they got slaughtered by John, Arizona. we were saying this all, all Monday, Tuesday, they, and Wednesday, so don't worry, don't worry about it. Why would they get in over Oklahoma State? Right. Oh, yeah, right. Oklahoma State, I, I thought... Or Rutgers. Or Rutgers, but Oklahoma State, I, I thought all year the Big 12 was the best conference. I mean, I know that West Virginia lost a, a tough game to Maryland this morning. It was a very close game. Could have easily gone either way. Yep. But I thought I thought uh, Big 12 was pretty clearly the best conference all year. I don't understand how Okie State gets left out to make room for a school like Nevada. Uh, you have to explain that to me. I, I can tell you right now, if they played one another in Dayton, Oklahoma State's favorite in that game. No question. And again, you know, I go back to losing that game, embarrassing fashion, to Wyoming. Then you lose to yeah. UNLV on your home floor. And then you lose your opening round game to San Jose State. And I don't want to hear, oh, San Jose State so much better. Yeah, they're better, but <laughs> they're, they're better than horrendous where they've been the last decade sure so sure. but you don't lose those games when you're decidedly favored in all three of those games and then you get in the tournament no no thank you you can't lose games like that and expect to get an at-large bid in the NCAA tournament correct so you know what else I, I know this is a trendy thing but they, they got to stop having the 16 16 games uh, in the first four just do all four 11 11s because uh, there's no energy in the book for those, like the Fairleigh Dickinson game. But then it's Nevada, Arizona State, great for business. Pitt, Mississippi State, great for business. Well, if they're going to do that, at least they make that the early game, and then the later game is the 11-11. But, but do you want to see 16-16 no, today? No, I don't. I don't no, want to see that today. Yeah, but I just think that those teams that win their conference, they deserve to get a real tournament bid. They deserve yeah. to go into the NCAA tournament for real. Right. The real NCAA tournament started this morning, not Tuesday. Correct. Correct. All right. Uh, how's your bracket doing? Uh, I don't. I didn't fill one out. You didn't fill one out. I, I don't. I don't. Uh, I haven't done that. I got. I got too much else to root for, man. I got <laughs> to root for the book here. I need Texas A&M uh, Corpus Christi to stay within the number here. Uh, I, we need. Uh, we need Illinois to come back here against Arkansas. I got plenty of action. <laughs> I, I love got it. plenty of action. I don't, I, I don't need to worry about that too much. I love it. Okay. Uh, let's talk about the opening round games here. All right. We still got more than half of a card uh, left for the late afternoon uh, and evening session here tonight, the opening round. Talk about the line movements and, uh, and, and big plays that have come across uh, your window over the last few days or earlier today. Tonight's games, I, I need you to show me who's playing. I know I know everything. I just don't know when the games are, if they're right. today or tomorrow. All right. Here we are. This is, uh, this is what's coming up. Here we go. Oh, Northwestern. Yeah, we definitely are going to need Boise State in that game. Real sharp money on uh, Louisiana against Tennessee. That number came down a little bit, then it pushed a little bit back up. Duke Oral Roberts, we talked about. That's a really high-volume game. A lot of money both ways. Duke's in a lot of money line parlays. A lot of people are taking Oral Roberts' money line straight or the point straight, but that's a really, really good high-volume game. And then the last game, well, first, A&M Penn State's one of the best first-round games, period. Right. Uh, we're going to need Penn State in that game, but really good handle. That time slot lends itself to handle, too. Mm -hmm. And then you got the chase game, the 705. <laughs> UCLA, a lot of people are going to go for a bailout with UCLA tonight. But are you going to go, you got a bailout here when they're that's laying the, 17 that's and what a half? Do. They're going to uh, lay 17 and a half in a bailout lay, game? The two biggest decisions we've had so far today, we needed Howard to cover against Kansas. They did not. And now we need uh, Texas and MCC to cover against Alabama. It's going to be close. So, yeah, they love that. They don't. So in the 116 games or even the 215 games, yeah. they don't play the money line on the dog there. They lay the points. The money lines they go for, the 13 seeds, the 12s, the 11s, they see those teams win. I know that Virginia lost that one 116 game, but... That, that was just a fluke. All right. Uh, Iowa-Auburn at 350 today. It's basically a, a coin flip game. We've seen two teams really be psychotic. Iowa, I yeah. mean, there was a, they had a lot of potential this year, a scoring machine. But, man, you lose, you know, your, uh, your last home game of the year, senior day to Nebraska. Uh, we've seen Auburn, you know, fall apart this year. They're kind of void of scoring. Talk a little bit about that game. Iowa's a team I don't know what to make of. They're, uh -huh. Them and Kentucky are the two teams where I just have no idea what we're going to see any given game. I don't know. I don't know what to make of Iowa. There were times where I thought 
they were they were collecting themselves, getting it together, and then they just fell apart again. So I don't. And then Auburn is a team I thought totally underachieved this year. I watched them lose to my West Virginia Mountaineers in Morgantown, pretty handily actually. So I, I don't I don't know what to make of that game really. That, that's a tough game. I, I don't I don't really like either side. Your Mountaineers, I actually thought that they were gonna uh, pull this off. Uh, that was a good matchup they, for them. They, they got off to a great start, and then into they, the first half, I don't know what happened. Could not get a basket down the stretch. Mm-hmm. You know, just couldn't get a basket down the stretch. Uh, Painful review. Painful review with the Maryland kid. He lost control and he threw the ball out of bounds. And then they stopped the game for like 15 minutes. Uh, that was brutal. I mean, just make the call. Uh, I, I didn't care for that. But really good game. Knew it was going to be a tough game. Two evenly matched teams. It just comes down to those final possessions. Who's going to make the shots? Northwestern and Boise State. Talking about the Mountain West. Yeah. Boise State. Okay. And Northwestern's had a fantastic season. Sure. When you look at Northwestern, Kind of mere images of, of, of Penn State, these two teams, with great guard play and what they do. Uh, where are the money coming in on that game? Sharp money on Northwestern State right when we opened the game. Opened it a pick. They bet Northwestern right away. They pushed it up. And now you can kind of see why. Because Boise uh, Mountain West obviously not doing very well. I think Northwestern is going to be a trendy pick here tonight because everyone's talking about how poorly the Mountain West is playing. And now it looks like Alabama's backups are going to cover. Uh, I, I think we'll need uh, we'll need Boise State here tonight. I'm pretty sure. Uh, crowd going nuts here. And don't 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 look now, but uh, College of Charleston started, yeah. has erased a nine point deficit uh, with three minutes to go, and uh, we got a tie game. This is fun because I, I tell our newer guys, our younger guys that are working the TVs, they look at it and they see Alabama's up 22. Let's change the game. And I'm like, no, 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 no. no. You know, we Don't got, they know where uh, they work? Nah. What are you talking about? I mean, the whole game is going to come down to this here. Uh, we, we need the dog pretty big in this game. All right. And so we're going to see uh, how John's feeling. So Alabama <laughs> is up 24. Oh, and you know what else? We need Princeton. Princeton is the other one. They were a commercial, I guess, when you asked And them. are we going to have the team that's behind just dribble it out, John? No, 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 no. They, these kids only get a stage like this one time. Uh, they're dribbling it no, out, they're, John. They're going to shoot. They're dribbling it out, John. They can't possibly. With five, they just dribbled out the clock you gotta down 24. Unless he launches one at the buzzer, which he does. Oh, no. That's what I'm talking about, man. They were just holding the ball. That's why. They were just holding the uh, ball until the kid says, forget that. I'm going that's out unbelievable, style. man. That's that's why I told the guys last night, you don't change the channel. You don't change the audio. If it's on the point spread, I don't care if they're up by 30, consider the second half line, consider the total, consider everything. That's March Madness right now. He got that shot off. Terrible shot selection. But the kid made the shot, so I owe that kid. The, so you just heard John Murray be relatively happy. No, as a, not, a, 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 Is that the deal? You, you have us. So you, you said you needed... Oh yeah, but we, dog, we're right? never we, we're never happy. I, it's all it's all lows. I understand that. It's all lows. But all right, <laughs> so there you go. Uh, yeah, how's, how's how's that ticket? That ticket's no good for me. Oh is it? no, you didn't tell me you had that. Oh jeez. Oh, you should have said something. It's not that important to me. Actually, I was betting for a buddy of mine. So uh, <laughs> I don't even know. I'm not sure what that means. I, I don't know what you mean by that. Uh, no, no, that was uh, we needed. We need a few I, of these dogs. I, I, I bet he's going crazy now. There oh, you go. It's tough. Yeah. It's just this is March Madness, though. I mean, the, these things are going to happen. There's going to be one that we'll lose on. Well, we really, uh, we really needed West Virginia this morning. Huh? Uh, we had a lot of uh, big house players on Maryland, so. 24 it is, it is point, what it is, 20, Alabama favored by 24 and a three at the buzzer by um, uh, <laughs> by the opponent there. He makes it 21. And I don't know any of the players' names. If you're covers. looking over here for that. No, I don't know. I, I was. <laughs> okay, I don't know any of their names. <laughs> All right, uh, great stuff, my friend. We appreciate you uh, spending time here today. But uh, you come down here, you've got uh, the great screens. You've got the International Theater. Everything's happening inside there with the 4K video wall. Uh, the food choices uh, surrounding this, I really appreciate you making sure that uh, we have the giant pretzels and we've got the dogs and the burgers. Not, we got all that yeah. you know, right underneath uh, my nose here. I appreciate that. So you can just you know, tempt me the, for two hours. Really good job with the food trucks this year. Huh? Yeah. Like the little like the stop-and-go food stands. I like it. They, and they make the room smell better. Is, is this new? Uh, it's not new, but we don't always do it. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm glad they did it. It is good. Uh, 
for sure a big plus around here. It smells like pretzels. It does. I'm smelling a That's lot nice. of pretzels. Yeah, and and the picture, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a picture of that giant pretzel. It looks about the size of a NCAA football. Yeah, it's big. <laughs> it's big. It's a, I don't know. It's probably a two-man job. It is two-man job. Okay. Uh, All right, you go get that, and we'll split it, my friend. There you go. Are you cool. a mustard guy on pretzels or oh, what? Oh, yeah, mustard for sure. Absolutely, right? Oh, yeah, honey right. mustard, maybe? There you go. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm down. We appreciate you, man. We'll let you get back to work. Thanks, DC. Thank you, John Murray, the executive director here at the Superbook. We come back. Tracy Murray's going to join us live from Sacramento as the UCLA Bruins are going to be taking the, the floor at 7 p.m. tonight. We'll talk to Tracy. Lindy LaRock will join us uh, next hour as well, too. And Scott Sprites are live from the Superbook. It is the TC Martin Show on a March Madness opening round Thursday. Hey, this is Robert De Niro, and you're listening to the TC Martin Show. It's good. Opening round action, the NCAA tournament. We are live at the Westgate at the world-famous Superbook. Uh, the atmosphere, electric, uh, and end of games. It doesn't matter if it's a close game. If it's uh, close to the number, you get in the crowd erupt just like we did a little while ago. And uh, we got another down-to-the-wire finish between San Diego State and Charleston right now. Not only is that flirting with the number, but uh, the game could be in question uh, as well, too. 25 seconds to go, and San Diego State up by four shooting free throws. But uh, as, as Charleston fouled a three-point shooter of the Aztecs behind the arc. So, yeah, a lot of great stuff here happening, of course, at the Westgate. You can come on down, enjoy the action here in the Superbook or inside the International Theater. I uh, Get those tickets at Ticketmaster.com. They're $40, and uh, you can see all the games in the comfort of the International Theater uh, today, tomorrow, uh, and Saturday. So great stuff as always. All right, right now, let's go to my hometown. Let's go to Sacramento, a uh, site of uh, one of the West regions for the opening round and the UCLA Bruins are in action which means we're going to talk to a good friend Tracy Murray, the UCLA Bruin Hall of Famer and does a fantastic job on the UCLA Bruins radio network. Tracy, what is happening my man? What's going on TC, how you doing man? I'm doing good man, I know you're, you're just kind of like resting up, relaxing, get ready for your call tonight, well uh, I'm, I'm already in the thick of the madness right now Oh, shoot, I've been in the thick of the madness. I went down and picked up my credential and watched the first half of the Missouri game. So I've already felt the energy already. <laughs> yeah, so let's talk a little bit about those Missouri Tigers. Uh, they were they were fantastic against Utah State team, and here we go. The Mountain West Conference uh, starts off 0-2 once again. San Diego State looks like they will uh, they will uh, move on, or unless uh, they're not upset here at, at the buzzer. Um, and uh, but uh, Missouri Tigers, man, they're a very athletic team. They got uh, they caught fire in the second half, shooting threes. What do you think of the Tigers? Well, those guys are they're, they're athletic. They don't look athletic, but they're more athletic than what they look. They're really uh, a, a strong-looking team. You know, a lot of those guys are beefy, so they're able to use their bodies well. When they're finishing on the inside, you have a couple guys that knocking down threes. They're, they're, they play bigger than what they look. Yeah, uh, Jones went crazy today in the second half. I went for over 20, yep. hitting, hitting a whole bunch of threes. Uh, Missouri can be a very dangerous team. We saw them uh, in the uh, you know power-packed SEC. Uh, so watch out uh, for the Missouri Tigers, and uh, they advance on, and they get the opening round uh, win. Tracy, let's talk a little bit about your game tonight. Uh, the Bruins are taking on UNC Asheville, the game in Sacramento there at the, the Golden One Center. You spent you spend time in Sacramento. I mean, uh, again, you know, you're more of a Southern California guy, but uh, uh, how are you my hometown over there? Well, the last time we were here, we did pretty well. That's um, true. Mick, Mick was coaching for Cincinnati, and, and we played them. But I think that was the Lonzo Ball year. So we, we have success up here, and I'm, I'm looking forward to tonight's game. All right, my friend. Now, uh, you got to tell me where, where you've been eating. Where you plan on eating there? Because I, I can give you plenty of places not too far from where you're out there in downtown Sac. Oh, man, I'm just going to stay low-key, man. Uh, <laughs> I'm either going to eat at the hotel or eat at the arena. Uh, so I'm going to stay low-key. All right, man, let's talk about the Bruins. Uh, we know that uh, UCLA has had some injuries uh, with Clark being out, that Bona gets uh, you know, hurt in, uh, in the last game. Uh, that uh, Give me your thoughts about, about those two guys and where are they currently at. And we know Clark's out for the year. But uh, what's the situation with Bone? Is he playing tonight? 
I don't know. I haven't been to any of the uh, practices or the shoot-arounds, so I, I don't know what is doing. I won't know until, like, see warm-up. Um, I hope he can play. But I, I think if, if he sits the first couple of uh, if he sits the first couple of games, I think he'll be fine because uh, I think we can get through the first couple of games. But as we move forward into the tournament, he's going to be an integral part. Talk a little bit about the depth of UCLA, Tracy, especially you know when you got you know missing Clark, I mean, who's a phenomenal player and starter. Obviously, that thins up the bench. Uh, a little bit. If, if Bone is not 100% healthy, then you're going to have to ask guys to, to come in and contribute. Where do you think the depth is for this UCLA team? Well, surprisingly, we've seen some of these young guys really set their levels up. Uh, Will McClendon came in and he's doing, he's playing a lot of good defense and uh, Dylan Andrews has been a punch off the bench the last couple of games offensively and he brings his defense and his athleticism to the table. Um, Kenny Nuba's been stepping in when when a bonus and either hurt or in foul trouble. Same thing with Mac Etienne. These guys have, have all stepped up. And uh, Kenny Nuba and Etienne, they have experience of playing in the final four. So these, these guys, they're ready to play. All right. Talk a little bit about the keys to the UCLA team going deep in this tournament. Number one, stay healthy. Stay healthy, continue, continue to play at a high level defensively. If they play at a high level defensively, then they will be in every game. You, you just want to be in the game in the NCAA tournament. You don't want anybody to jump out too far. Tracy Murray joins us, the UCLA Bruin Hall of Famer, and uh, does a fantastic job on the UCLA Bruins radio network. Let's talk a little bit about... Uh, the Pac-12 tournament that just recently uh, concluded, and then talk about the teams that are representing the Pac-12 besides UCLA. You've got Arizona and, and USC, Tracy. Um, it's not a very deep Pac-12. Um, again, you know, you, we, we don't have you know some of those stalwarts like Oregon and, and you know Washington that we've seen in, in years past. You know, Arizona State didn't didn't make it. I should I can't leave them out. But talk a little bit about this year's Pac-12. Well, I'll tell you what, they were talking about Arizona State didn't belong, and they went out there and made a statement last game. And, and one thing I know is that Arizona State's size, length, and, and, and their defense and how they play can give you a problem. So I'm, I'm happy that Bobby's team got in. Um, as you see last night, they, they were up 30 by most of the game. You know, so they, they, they're proving that they belong, and hopefully they can make a nice little run. Um, Arizona's going to make a run. They're struggling with Princeton right now, but they have talent. They have ties. Um, USC has talent. They have ties, but they haven't been playing very well lately. So I, 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 my question out of the, the four is USC right now. You know, USC opens against Michigan State, and it's kind of a hard game to handicap. And, you know, Boogie Ellis, for the most part, has been fantastic. I don't know what USC has, you know, as far as they got other players besides Ellis. I don't know how much depth that they got, but just kind of analyze that game for us with UC, the USC and Michigan State. Well, I'll tell you what, it's a preview to the Big Ten moving forward. True. But, uh, but you know, I, I, I just think that, you know, Boogie Ellis can't, can't carry them. You know, other guys are going to have to step up. Arizona is struggling with Princeton, like you say. Talk a little bit about playing a team like Princeton that you know basically is going to take the air out of the ball. Uh, they're going to use the shot clock. They're going to be very, very methodical. And especially when, you know, you don't face a team like that for a majority of the year. I mean, heck, you really don't face too many teams like that within your conference there in, in, in the Pac-12. So not a surprise that you know, these teams, especially West Coast teams, team to, uh, seem to struggle with teams like Princeton. Uh, your experience as a player, coach, and then just, you know, as a guy who's who, who's watching this right now. When you're playing against teams like Princeton, you have to be patient with yourself. You can't be in a hurry. Um, 
you have to be efficient with your scoring. And Arizona's one of those efficient teams where they're they're you know they shoot 50 percent from the field throughout the whole year. So they can play this type of game. They're big enough to play this type of game. It's just that they have to be patient with themselves. You know, Tracy, we've seen teams in that first four, a la UCLA, as you as you know and remember, uh, actually make a run, you know, deep into the tournament. Could Arizona State be that team, a team that really was on the bubble, but the way they played last night, they looked nothing like a first four team? Talk a little bit about their chances. Well, I, I know them just up close and personal. They, they are not a first four team. It's just that their lack of concentration sometimes. I, I, I don't understand their focus and concentration because one day they look like they can be the best team in the Pac-12, and the next day they, they're playing down with the cellar dwellers. So uh, with them, they have to keep their focus. They have to work on their shot selection because sometimes their shot selection can get them in trouble. But looking at the bracket, you know, Arizona State got TCU. TCU is tough. But you know what? Arizona State's length and their defense can give them problems. So, I mean, don't don't just automatically push TCU ahead on that one. I, I look at Arizona State now, and I think they can they have a chance of beating them. And then if that's the case, Gonzaga really has to look out because they can defend Gonzaga too and get in their length and physicality and, and rim protection can give them problems too. Speaking of the Zags, not many people are talking about the Zags as they have in years past for a couple reasons. They're a number three seed, not used to seeing that. And, uh, you know, they did struggle at times this year. But I think what the committee saw, and I know a lot of fans and, and better saw, is the way they just really destroyed St. Mary's in that WCC final where they just blew them out. And then a lot of people think, okay, there, there's the old Zags again. But when you look at this team, I mean, you know, Timmy's there again. I mean, it seems like he's been there for a decade, and, and, and he may even come back next year. He has that right, actually, believe it or not. I think as a seventh-year senior, but you know, being serious. But what do you think about this Gonzaga team? Does it does it look anything close to the Gonzaga teams that we've seen in the last few years? They're, they're not as good as uh, last year or the year before, but they're still solid. They still can make some noise. You know, that Drew Timmy is, is experienced. Strother is experienced. You know, you have a bunch of guys on there that, that that's played in big games. So they can they can make a run. It's just, you know, they they have to really be patient with themselves. I don't I don't think it, it it would be a deep run because it's just something about I don't think they have the offense that the offensive punch they had in the past to be able to do so. UCLA Bruins are in action tonight in Sacramento, seven oh five tip off where the Bruins are, are playing UNC Asheville. What kind of homework, Tracy, did you do on your opponent tonight? Because I know a lot of uh, fans and listeners are probably not familiar with Asheville at all. What, what have you noticed? Well, they have two very good players. Um, you know, they they can shoot the basketball. The, the, the team, in general, is a great three-point shooting team. So you have to really guard them behind the three-point line. Uh, but they have a two-headed monster that can go get 25 or 30 if you don't guard them. So, you know, you have to cut the head off the snake, guard those two guys, and I think everybody else will fall. Then you got a team like uh, Northwestern or Boise State that you could be uh, facing on, on Saturday here. I know you never like to, to look ahead, but uh, this Northwestern team has been – been pretty good this year. Uh, Chris Collins has done a, a fantastic job. Of course, we see Boise State quite a bit here uh, in, in the Mountain West. Looking forward to that game a little bit later uh, tonight. But any thoughts on either one of those teams? Well, just like you said, I don't like looking ahead. I don't know very much about either team right now. My, my focus right now is UNC Asheville, and then I can get to work on my studying with those two teams. <laughs> there you go. All right. And uh, so I guess then I can't even ask you to look ahead to, to seeing me here next week, man, in Vegas, as you well know, because there's a potential matchup uh, against UCLA and Gonzaga, or maybe it could be TCU. We'll see what happens. Heck, maybe it could be or Arizona, Arizona State. State again. It could be, yeah. right? Exactly. Yep. But uh, you better be looking forward to coming back to Vegas next week. That, that, that better be on your calendar, my friend. I, I plan on it. They just got to go out there and handle their business. <laughs> Tracy Murray joins us. All right, let's talk a little bit about 
the best team that you've seen this year, whether it's in, in Pac-12 conference or, or outside? It's, it's, there's no definitive really great team to me. I just think that it's wide open and anybody can get it. You know, it, it's, it's not like it was Baylor a couple of years ago where I just said they're just kicking everybody's tail. You know what I mean? I, I don't see a just one dominant team like that. Everybody looks similar to me. You know, it is totally wide open, but the consensus is Alabama and Houston you know, definitely have yeah, the, they're both, the notch. they're both very good. Yeah. They're both very good, and they should be in the, in the final four. Yeah. But yeah. that's why you have to play the game. Mm -hmm. When you're looking at, let's say, the, the tournament mentality, all right, you know you know all about this, okay? Player, coach, broadcaster, what is that tournament mentality, and what are some of the keys that you feel a successful team has to have in order to make that deep run from a mental standpoint? Well, number one, they have to play defense, and they, and they have to be tough, um, and 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 they and they have to be consistent because. There's a lot of teams that are inconsistent and up and down, and you don't know um, what they're bringing to the table night in, night out. You're consistently tough, really good defensive teams that got a couple of guys that can put the ball in the hole. Those are the teams that's going to go to the Sweet 16 and beyond. Yes, size matters. Yes, talent matters. But if you're consistently good on the defensive end, you're going to be in every game to win. It, going back to that mental approach, okay, when you enter the tournament, we know it's different than the conference tournament. Now you're, you're playing on neutral floors. You basically don't have much time to prepare for that next opponent, especially in this situation when you, you have a Thursday game, you got a, a quick turnaround for a Saturday game. What's what's the message as as a coach, or, or what's the message to these players about being tournament ready and in that psyche? Well, when you're talking about mental preparation for the tournament, it's really about what you guys do. It's not really about the other team. Yes, you can get a couple of calls on the other team, know what plays they like running, and, and, and look at their personnel, look at what you can take away. But it's really about you and how you approach the game, how ready you are mentally, and how together you are. Because you can put together a heck of a run if everybody's on the same page. Let's talk about the national championship pedigree. The team that can get to the Final Four. Team that can cut down the nets when it's all said and done. What kind of players are, are needed for that? We hear so much about, okay, you, know, you really have to have great guard play. you got to be able to hit the three. You mentioned defense. Give me the Tracy Murray model. What's What, what kind of players are you looking for to build uh, that can a team that can cut down the nets? Of course you got to have great guard play. Guards, guards is, is they're the coach on the floor, so you got to have great guard play. You got to play defense. Um, at the end of the day, you, you need to be healthy and, and and have guys that that understand how to sacrifice. Because when you sacrifice yourself for the sake of the team going into the tournament, you'll give you'll give it all up. Another thing, people underestimate the importance of points in the paint because everybody's shooting a three ball so much. Whoever wins the points in the paint normally wins the game. So you got to get in the paint and get some easy buckets. Do you think the Bruins have that championship pedigree? I, I think they have the championship mindset and pedigree, but when you're shorthanded, you know, you have to see. Put that into context with with Clark, for, for people that haven't watched UCLA very much, missing a guy like that, what does that mean to that team? And then also, let's go back to the, to the psyche in the, in the middle side of it, knowing that, you know, arguably, you know, one of your best players, I mean, you still got Haquez and you got Tiger Campbell, you know, you got Singleton, you got some fine players there, but when you miss such a big piece of that, and especially you lose him towards the end of the season, how, how have your guys handled that? Well, you, you're missing your potential defense, national defensive player of the year. You're missing your second leading scorer. You, you're missing one thing that I saw 
that um, the Bruins are missing, and I saw it in the in the Pac-12 tournament without Clark, was his defense was so good, he gets tons of deflections and steals. When you get those, you also get transition buckets. And I think transition buckets have been down. Easy baskets have been down because of no Jalen Clark being out there. You got Mick Cronin. He's been in plenty of these spots, not just with UCLA, but his days at the University of Cincinnati. What are your thoughts on on, on Mick Cronin and how he's uh, uh, dealt with his team and, uh, and how important is coaching when you move your way through the tournament? Mick's a winner. He knows how to win. He knows how to manage games. And and that's why UCLA wins, whether they're shorthanded, whether they have their guys. If it's a tight, grind-em-out game coming down the stretch, Mick knows how to manage a game. So that that's always key in the NCAA or in big-time games. Tracy Murray, he will be uh, on the call on the UCLA Bruins radio network tonight as they open their NCAA tournament play in Sacramento at the Golden One Center. They are taking on NC Asheville tonight. My man, we'll let you uh, rest up and get ready uh, for your game tonight. I do appreciate you as always, brother, uh, You know, coming on the show, checking in with us. And uh, I am rooting for those Bruins because I'd love to see them next week. Uh, I'll be there at T-Mobile Arena. Hopefully I'll see you there as well, too. Okay, brother. Take care. You got it, Tracy. Thanks a lot. Is Tracy Murray, the uh, UCLA Bruin Hall of Famer, uh, 12 years in the NBA, NBA champion as well. And again, uh, does a fantastic job broadcasting the Bruins and covering them uh, in the entire Pac-12 as well. All right, uh, we'll get you updated on uh, what is happening in the opening round. We'll preview the upcoming games uh, tonight as well, too. Scott Spritzer will join us next hour. And we come back, uh, Lindy LaRock, the head coach of the UNLV Lady Rebels. She is in Baton Rouge. So, yes, we're covering the men. We're covering the, the ladies and, uh, and UNLV fans. Get a chance to see Lindy LaRock lead this team and see if they can continue their monster run. They've won 22 games in a row with a fantastic record of 31-2. So we'll talk to her on the other, other side of the break. We are at the Westgate inside the world-famous Superbook. It is a fantastic day. It is the opening of the NCAA tournament. Plenty of games going on as we speak. A full slate of games tonight as well, too. And then again, we do it all again tomorrow and then Saturday and Sunday as well uh, as we work our way towards the Sweet 16 next week. T.C. Martin live here at the Westgate inside the Superbook. Back with more on this fantastic March Madness Thursday.